Hey friends, welcome back to The Catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I want to thank you for joining with me again for this week's message. Today, as we look at the third chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, we see how he digs down a little deeper into the fact that everyone in the world is in the same boat. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we're also in the same boat in that God has extended to each one of us this far-fetched forgiveness if we would only believe in his son, Jesus Christ. It's amazing, it's a miracle, and it can change your life. I invite you to sit back and relax as we talk about this message on far-fetched forgiveness. Back in 2006, a small Amish community near Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania, had a horrible tragedy thrust upon it. A man stormed into their one-room schoolhouse and shot 10 young girls, killing five of them. Then he killed himself. The incident was so painful, they decided to tear down the school building where it happened and build a new one that wouldn't carry the memories of what happened that day. <clears throat> Following the calamity, the world watched in wonder as this small Amish community expressed forgiveness for the killer and his family. The killer's name was Charles Roberts. He wasn't Amish, but the Amish families knew him as the milk truck driver who made deliveries to their homes. After he killed five of their children, the Amish community donated money to his widow and the young children he had left behind. It was a tangible gesture of forgiveness. Donald Craybill, a sociologist at nearby Elizabethtown College, co-authored a book about what happened. He said, I think the most powerful demonstration of the depth of Amish forgiveness was when members of the Amish community went to the killer's burial service at the cemetery. Several families who had buried their own daughters just the day before were in attendance and they hugged the widow and hugged other members of the killer's family. Many people marveled at what the Amish community was able to do. It seems so foreign to the world we live in today. We have people who hold grudges for years, even decades. Some people never seem to forget a slight or a negative comment that happened a long time ago. Some people criticize public figures for something they said decades ago when they were in high school or college. Sometimes it feels as if forgiveness is in short supply. But forgiveness has become ingrained in the Amish community. 
They are able to do it because they practice it on a regular basis. What they have learned is that you don't feel your way into acting. You act your way into feeling. In other words, you don't wait until you feel like forgiving someone before you do. You forgive them first, and then the feelings follow sometime later. What the story demonstrates for us is that forgiveness is totally undeserved. The man who killed the children of the Amish didn't do anything to deserve to be forgiven. How could he? If someone killed one of my children, I can't imagine that there would be anything they could do to deserve my forgiveness. The definition of forgiveness is that we extend it to people who have hurt us, who could never earn it from us or achieve it in any way. The message that the Apostle Paul is trying to communicate in Romans 3 is just this. He is writing about the fact that every single one of us needs God to forgive us, and there's absolutely nothing we could do to earn it or achieve it or deserve it. God forgives us simply because he wants to, because he loves us, and because he wants to restore us back into a perfectly right relationship with him. We read about this in Romans 3, 21 through 31, <clears throat> where Paul writes this. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith, and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. 
The three words that form the ABCs of this passage are all boast in Christ. The first word is all. In verses 21 to 24, Paul says that God gives his righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. He says there is no difference between any of our human groups because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are in the same boat. We have all disobeyed God. We have all made mistakes. We all need to be forgiven. And none of us can earn this forgiveness. God doesn't owe us owe it to any of us. He isn't obligated to forgive us because we've done so many good works. He isn't required to forgive us because we've donated so much money to the church or to charity. He isn't forced to forgive us because we are such pure and spotless people. He chooses to forgive us in spite of our sins. Even though we have fallen short, he forgives us anyway. Now all who believe in Christ are justified in God's sight. What's striking about this passage is how much God does for the whole human race through his Son, and how strikingly little is asked of each of us to receive his righteousness. All we need is simple faith. What is striking is that God's own righteousness is now brought into our world in a super accessible way. It has been brought into our world by Jesus himself, and it is given to people who simply believe in him. There is this huge contrast between the divine giver and the human receiver. There is no way that you can compare our tiny little goodness with God's vast goodness. But justification means that God treats sinful people as if we were completely virtuous. The cosmic miracle of miracles is that God loves his fallen, flawed, undeserving people and passionately longs for a simple love relationship with as many believing people as possible. The A in this passage stands for all. The B in this passage stands for boast. In verses 27 to 31, Paul asks, what then is boasting? It is excluded. We can't boast in the good things we have done because our justification comes completely separate from our good deeds. The Jewish people used to boast about their relationship with God. But Paul says that God is the God of everybody, not just the Jews. So you can't boast about that either. God justifies everybody through the same faith, so no one of us is any better than anyone else. Paul says that even our faith in Christ comes from Christ. 
The faith that we have is continually being poured into us. So any boasting about our faith is entirely misplaced. The faith that we have is part of God's grace to us. The good news is that even our response to God's gift to us is God's gift to us. What's so amazing is that God believes in us. God believes in you. God puts his faith in you. And the only reason we are able to put our faith in God is because God put his faith in us first. There is nothing that we can boast about because everything that is good about us has come from the good God that we worship. So in this passage, A stands for all, B stands for boast, and then C stands for Christ. In verses 25 and 26, Paul says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Christ. Christ is the sacrifice of atonement. The word atonement refers to the mercy seat the place of forgiveness, or the place of reconciliation. It is a reference back to Leviticus 16 in the Old Testament, where every year on the Day of Atonement, Israel would sacrifice an animal and sprinkle its blood on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies in the temple for the forgiveness of sins. But now Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now Jesus is the animal whose blood was shed and sprinkled on the seat where we receive God's mercy so that we are restored to a right relationship with God. Whereas the Jewish people had to do this once every year, Jesus only had to do it once for all time. And it never has to be repeated because it accomplished the forgiveness that we need forever. The church's doctrine of atonement accomplishes four things that we can think of as the four beams of the cross. The first is that it accomplishes reconciliation with God. Our sin ruptured our relationship with God. Our faith in Christ's sacrifice on the cross restored our relationship with God and reconciled us with him once again. It restores our vertical relationship that reaches up to God. Secondly, Christ's atonement is a revelation of God's love that reaches down to us. Because we moved away from God, God reached down to us and revealed himself to us in order to draw us back. 
Thirdly, Christ's atonement is a repudiation of the devil. It pushes the evil one away. It thwarts his power. It limits his influence. John will write in the New Testament to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This is now possible because of what Christ did on the cross. Satan is losing power. He doesn't have the impact on your life that he used to. A new reality is settling in that we call the kingdom of God. And while the devil still tries to trip us up, he is powerless to stop the kingdom of God from happening. And then finally, the fourth beam of the cross is about the realization of our new earthly reality. We long for truth. We long for a world that's getting better rather than getting worse. We long for justice, peace, and healing. We long for an end to the frustrations that plague our world every day. Christ's atonement means that our world is changing for the better. We can't always see it. It doesn't always get reported in the news. But the Bible says it's like a small seed that keeps growing and its ongoing development cannot be stopped. The church often seems weak and ready to collapse at any moment. But somehow it keeps moving forward in an unstoppable fashion, sustained by an unstoppable God who keeps giving us his unstoppable grace. We don't have to be afraid of God. We don't have to worry about what God will do with us now or after we die. God gave himself to save us from himself. And we can rest in his unmerited grace and completely undeserved mercy. Christ's atoning death makes it clear to us that God actually does judge our sin. And yet, at the same time, he can forgive our sin without sacrificing his righteousness. That's a miracle. When Jesus died on the cross, he showed us how passionately God hates sin. At the same time, he showed us how passionately God adores us and how passionately God desires to restore us to a perfectly right relationship with himself. About 15 years ago, the Amish showed us how to forgive a murderer who didn't deserve to be forgiven. He and his family didn't do anything to be forgiven. They couldn't do anything to be forgiven. But they were forgiven. And that's a picture of what Paul is writing about in Romans 3. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us need to be forgiven, but there is nothing we can do to earn or achieve the forgiveness that we need to save our lives. All our boasting is useless. Whatever good deeds we will do will be lacking. They will not be enough. We will always come up short. 
But the good news of the gospel is that all we need is Christ. All we need is simple faith in him. Even our faith is a gift from God who believed in us before we believed in him. And when we make that simple response of faith, we will experience a far-fetched forgiveness we would have no other way of attaining without him. God bless. Stay safe. See you soon.